Welcome to the Movie Overload podcast, where we go through the history of cinema from the tri- from a trip to the moon to Parasite and everything in between, except for Woody Allen and those like him. You just don't need that guy. No. That's my point. Heck, that man. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, should say fuck. <laughs> okay, and now that the obligatory fuck has been said, uh, my name is Aiden. I am a co-host. I'm Hunter. I'm a person, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I'm Dot, I'm, but not oh. as in, like, you know, the name or the nickname Dot, as in just, like, a Dot. Like You're a, a butterfly a, egg. On a piece of paper, just a mm. Dot. Did you guys ever read those books about how butterfly eggs are the size of a period? No. Yeah. Maybe. I'm going to call you butterfly egg. That is not as catchy. <laughs> dot. Dot. I'm Anna. I am. <laughs> true. Anna. You think, therefore, you I are. I was going to say, like, I am a woman. Like, uh, <laughs> do you guys watch Gravity Falls? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, I might be a duchess, but, but I'm, I'm also, also a woman. woman. <laughs> that, that's me. I love me. that bit. Yeah. You had your chance at the cotillion. You... <laughs> oh the joys of gender relations and let's talk about that italy hello federico fellini that really how are you today (laughs) can we can we just recall back aiden i think it was you that said that he gave you some vibes and i was the only person who had seen this movie at the time and i was like "Mm, just you wait this whole movie is like one long wet dream. I yep. I don't know how to feel exactly. This movie dances, and it's very fun to watch. The camera moves like butter on hot glass. Oh my gosh, the cinematography is amazing. Mm. The score is so... So good. Uh, Just an eclectic collection of classics and at the time pop numbers. And like much of the uh, French New Wave, the film was shot without sound. And apparently Fellini on his sets played music and the actors would step in time with song as they move through their choreographed movements. Hmm. Everything in this is dubbed, which... Very obviously, too. Mm-hmm. At, at points, you're like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, who cares? And uh, I feel like sometimes it even adds to it. Like, the very dreamlike, mm. weird, like, bouncing back and forth. It kind of adds to the fact that this is all kind of a fever dream for him. Not like the whole thing is a fever dream, but just his state of mind and being mm. in this not quite depression, but not quite fully presentness. Not only is his like actual idea for a film that he's sort of maybe half-heartedly kind of almost sort of trying to make slash not make. Oh, uh, not only is that totally off the to rails, but the audio itself isn't even on the rails. <laughs> like, yeah. Nothing is going right. He is, he's making a movie out of, but possibly out of obligation, but definitely not out of passion, which I, I, Hmm. (sighs) can we add like 
an extra fuck into this podcast is it all right if i say like, <laughs> okay okay what's what? wait can i say one too yeah you're so welcome <laughs> uh, we'll go in we'll but go i have to like get going like yeah, i only special. say it in the context of a yeah. good rant so yeah well we'll get there but first i i want to say so like fuck Woody Allen, we all know that. But also like fuck Guido, I hate him so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really, really hate him so much. Not a great guy. It doesn't. It doesn't matter the context in which I think I would watch this. Which, by the way, I think I've uh-huh. decided I probably don't want to watch this movie again. Like I'll start with okay. that. Yeah. Like it's a. I gave it a decent rating on Letterboxd. It's a really well-made movie, and also like. I fucking hate the character so much and I fucking hate everything that happens so mm-hmm. much and I don't want to watch it ever again. And it's weird because I've, I like a lot of movies with very unlikable characters, but nothing has just like been like, Oh, I have a massive distaste for this in the same way. Well, that's mm-hmm. part of the thing because I spent the entire movie trying to figure out how sympathetic is our protagonist supposed to be because it it's it's hard to analyze movies especially ones that are not as uh narratively driven narratively centric that are more um like this movie less action more stuff happens and means things to the characters but you get a vibe. Sometimes you just watch a movie and you get a vibe where you're like, I think that someone wants me to like this person and I resent the fact that they think this person yeah. is worth liking. Uh-huh. <laughs> or like worth our sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't feel any sympathy. I'm just like, fuck you. No. Like, just, no. Have ever, like, have your career fall apart have your marriage fall apart have everything fall apart and then like go get a small little boat and row yourself out into the middle of the ocean and die (laughs) it doesn't really give you anything positive to like latch on there's nothing there there's no hope actually i feel like i do want to so i have kind of a rant oh sorry but hunter i think you you also have a rant i I don't i was just kind of saying words to go on that path but i would love to hear what you have to say Okay, thank you. Because I was just going to say what you said about not having something positive to latch on to. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, because I think that this movie is trying to make something positive. And I'm sitting in a swivelly chair today and I already kind of fidget when I talk. So <laughs> this is going to be really fun. Um, because this movie, I've had a quote from this movie that lives rent-free in my mind and it's we're smothered by words and images and sounds that have no right to exist they come from the void and they go back into the void and it's right at the end right before that weird like parade thing yeah um which if that is the purpose of the movie i'm like yeah like that is the artist's dilemma how do i make something that's already been made or doesn't have a right to exist and then on the other hand i'm like sir we're smothered by words and images that don't have a right to exist. And you made this film that is full of misogyny and objectifying women. Like, let's talk about that. Why are you trying to tell a story that's about how we shouldn't lightly toss around words and lightly toss around the power of media? 
and then you create this. I just think that's rude. It's interesting. Yeah. I think that's what I said to you. I, like, it's almost a tragedy how much mastery and creativity went into a fruitless as, a, exercise in misogyny and self-absorption. Right. Yeah. And, Which the yeah. other thing, the one guy read the quote in the scene where they're going through the screenplays and he was like, people who live by their own self-absorption choke by their own self-absorption or something like that. And I was like, wow, that's a very pointed comment, sir. <laughs> but uh, I think But where's something... the line like between where is that Guido and where is that just Fellini? Which I guess is yeah. kind of what you're saying. Well, yeah. Lines like that point to the fact that uh, it might be an exercise in misogyny on the part of, not misogyny, narcissism, definitely misogyny, but narcissism on the part of the director. But whether or not, like, is he seeing that with scorn and is he trying to be self-critical? Or, like, because... A big thing with this is coming off of the neorealism movement. Fellini started off in neorealism and then moved away into this more abstract sort of art form with elements of neorealism kind of clinging on there in the background before he eventually just drops them and goes off and makes utter nonsense for years. <laughs> the, the big thing, the thing that people, especially in the 60s, seemed to be at least from what I've read, wanting to capture is truth. They're like, what is truth? And so this movie feels like it's trying to be honest. And at in our postmodern age, I think we're at the point where we can we are ready to ask the question Is honesty and truth a wee bit overrated? Because if you are being honest and you're like, no, so these are all of my feelings towards all of the women that have ever been in my life because this movie is about making movies, but also about the male fantasy of women, which, I mean, in the history of Hollywood is kind of connected and probably in the history of Italian cinema a bit. But, like, if you're if this is what you're deciding to be honest about, cool, it's there now. What are we actually getting about getting from this? We yeah. need to like examine and like kind of say, is the point of art to be true? Because if that is the case, what then? Like, what are we getting from that truth? Are we just proving that we exist, screaming into a void until it acknowledges us. Dang, that's a yeah. big thought. What is the purpose of art if we don't think that unconditional truth-telling is the purpose? One of the themes that I noticed this time through is the theme, and there's this book, that's a, it's a great book, I've read half of it, really enjoyed <laughs> the half that I read. Um, it's called You Are What You Love. And it's, it is a theological book, but just kind of talking about like the things that we love shape us. I mean, that can be true about your favorite TV show, your favorite book, your favorite artist, music, whatever. And so that is what strikes me at the end, like how much of the end 
it's him looking at the people that he has loved um, and that love him. But also, so I think that's really beautiful. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like we are made up, us as units are made up of the people that have poured into our lives and the things that have influenced us and etc. I just think it's kind of sad that this movie specifically focuses on the sexual influences. Like there's so many other people that he could have included, but it's entirely focused on the women, which, I mean, we can talk about the male gaze in art and I don't know. I just think there was so much more that this story could have been talking about writer's block or director's block and talking about how the people that we let impact us impact us and i just think it's a bummer that this is a movie about women yeah the other thing that i think is a bummer go ahead sorry (laughs) oh i was just gonna say this was my second time watching it and the first time i watched it i was uncomfortable but i couldn't quite identify why and I was watching, I was the only girl in the group that I was watching it with, a bunch of dudes, and um, I'm just used to that, I guess. But I couldn't identify why I was uncomfortable, I just was. And the fact that it took me over a year of thinking about it and a second time watching it to realize just how misogynistic it was, I feel like is also kind of sad that me as a soon-to-be-not-teenage girl living in America, like, and I guess this is an Italian film, but just the fact that I'm almost, like, used to it. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm... Like, I remember the first time I watched somebody's gaze travel down my body. And... I don't know, just... That's kind of sad, I guess, that it took me that long to catch up to why I didn't like this movie... And that he wasted his opportunity to share really true meditations and thoughts about words and information and loving things and just turn it into sexual fantasies. Yeah, we're just so fucking, like, gaslit over that all the time of, like, (laughs) this is what's normal. And then, I don't know, being out of that, I feel like, being in more feminist spaces and then going back to something like this is just like a fresh wound kind of like, yeah, merely a flesh wound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know you said fresh, but I heard flesh. Uh huh. (laughs) All that flesh all over the place. Uh, Watch that movie later. (laughs) Is this a midlife crisis movie though? Yeah. It's like, Hmm. That that's sort of the focus of the movie, more so than I, I guess the way that it is shot is talking in the cinematic way about movie making, and uh, the narcissism of the character is like the narcissism of a director or a filmmaker who is tr- trying to find. Uh, an expression that seems true to them and it's because it has to mimic something in their real life there's that whole casting scene where they're all sit sit that that was a really striking scene because it comes it comes right after that that dream sequence and they're sitting in the theater was that did it come that right after this yeah. sequence where he 
uh, imagines that all of the women he has yeah. ever known in his life are in a, a harem, and then mm-hmm. he whips them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, when they turn 26, they have to go upstairs. Yeah. yeah. A- and then... See... That, he's that, 43. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh-huh. Well, the, and they the, point that out. They point that out. That's the thing. where The movie seems to kind of hate Guido, but yeah. also the movie is just Guido's indulgence. Right. Like, it, it, it feels like this weird kind of back and forth when I'm trying to, like, read into whatever Fellini, what's, what's going on with him is sort of this, like, ooh, I'm going to comment on this thing because it's true, but uh, but almost without the, like recognition of like actual any any real shit like he doesn't want to make a statement like he he's not making any statement he's just presenting guido which is really to an extent him you get the sense like there's this like mm-hmm. this is my lack of impulse control is that this is the thing that i'm writing about because i'm putting truth uh, on on the screen and it's and it's it's developed and it you know it flows and it's it's magnificent in all of this way and it's also shitty but like who, but also fuck it i don't i don't care and i'm also not gonna think about it like i don't i don't know it just it feels like there is to an extent that lack of self-awareness or or a lack of wanting to be self-aware about it like like just well, removing i think the, I think the, the movie is self-aware entirely. i think the movie has some awareness of what it is in itself but it doesn't but critique it it doesn't really it doesn't really well it so in that scene, I in Roger Ebert's breakdown of the movie, he loved the movie, and he was talking about another film critic who had discussed it as like uh, Fellini has fallen and no longer focuses on ideas but images. Robert Ebert <laughs> is like, yes, that is great. That is exactly why this movie is good, which is. It's, it's kind a of why it's beautiful looking movie. It's hard to talk about the movie because what criticism, what like self awareness the movie might have is in the images. In that scene where he's sitting in the room looking at screen tests for actors, actresses to play the women in his life, and they are there in the theater watching themselves be performed, watching his versions of them being performed on the screen at his poor wife i know like this movie i really would like it to be my first time i say fuck on this podcast is about this movie but (laughs) (laughs) it's a joke that's so good ironic uh no but i feel like i can't because I'm just too sad about it. <laughs> I can't get fucking angry about it because I'm just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like. I couldn't I couldn't muster. Like, there's definitely some films that I think are celebrated a lot that, like, really piss me off. Bruh, mm. Fight Club, just you wait. Oh, Sorry, I'm I shouldn't clap right by the mic. <laughs> um, okay. But, like, Sound Drive like... is another one for me. Like... I don't I have lots of people defend that movie and lots of people love that movie and I generally don't see any hate about that movie and I fucking get so mad at that movie <laughs> for its misogyny and weird shit. However, in this movie I wasn't given the option to feel mad at it. It was just like presenting this is what it is and that makes it so much 
worse. It's like demoralizing. Which I also feel like why it's harder. Like it was harder for me to identify when yeah, I first saw it. That makes sense. It is. It's not being like, ha, fuck women. <laughs> all all women are thoughts or <laughs> something. It's just this is what it is. It's it's painting this image of this is this is truth. This is. This is women, and this is how we and look aren't at women. And aren't I such a great man because yeah. I am like all types of women? And also because I am man, and and I hate it. And yeah. but but it's but it doesn't it doesn't present that in this like forthright. I guess that's the thing. It doesn't present the, the forthright like this is the moral or this is my opinion or or anything. It's just sit with that. That's that's what you are. And and if and if you're a woman internalize this and it this is just this is the image and I don't give a shit about what it means. And I hate it. Yeah. I hate that. Well, what what is Guido's realization at the end of the film? Because right before the big parade sequence with everything happening, he's he's sitting in the car with his writer and his wife comes by and he's it seems like he's trying to figure out why he's never been able to be completely satisfied with a single relationship. And then he seems to come to some sort of realization and he's like, oh no, come back. You don't have to leave me. I figured it out. And what, what did he figure out? I don't, I don't know what, what is he supposed to have figured out? But so, if this all is in in some way meant to be true and you just are given truth with no system to organize it, you're just meant to sit there and think about it. Is there like a way in which art, certain arts are only going to like, work for some people and we should all just be fine with that. We should all be fine with with that thing. Hand. <laughs> Sorry. Um I have thought. How many of you have watched Hannah Gatsby's Douglas? I think I have. Oh, I guess only only 3 Not out of 4 me. of us. Okay. Uh, it's Sad. incredible I've to every like of our times. listeners watch Nanette, ah. then watch Douglas. <laughs> you will ball your eyes out and you will feel like a changed person. It's amazing. But one of the things that she brings up in Douglas is Pablo Picasso mm. and talking about his contribution to the art world and cubism. That's how she's like, cubism. cubism. Cubism in the community. Anyway, <laughs> thinking about his genuine con contributions to art and the way that he changed the way we think about what good art is. But also, what a dick. Like, mm. he was a terrible person. Mm -hmm. So she's like, we need to separate the art from the artist. And, and she goes, no, no, no. That's bullshit. Like, no. Cubism isn't worth this. Mm. And just kind of like, who cares about cubism when this terrible person is doing terrible things and not being punished for it because he's Pablo Picasso. And I think that's kind of a similar thing about this film where it kind of talks about truth. And like you've been saying, Aiden, and kind of like, what is the point of art with and without truth and with too much truth? And it's a really interesting discussion. 
and I like where you're going with it. I just wish that it wasn't this movie that was bringing it up. Yeah, like part of me thinks that the like the response to eight and a half that I want to have is is in is ignoring the fact that it is well made and and well constructed and just turn your back on it. Like like yeah. just this almost like uh like I, the scene in Twelve Angry Men, which I will reference forever, where everybody gets up from the table and <laughs> yeah, like that's that's the response that I feel like this movie deserves. Is like I don't give a shit how much you're wanting me to sit with the image and what like fuck you like I <laughs> that's my thought mm. I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm, glad to be I'm fine throwing it out <laughs> well <laughs> me too. the reason why I I am reacting slightly differently is because I I went through this movie uh hating Guido and I think the movie still works if the audience responds in antagonistically to the art in this case. Mm. I, I think that that re- response might have value in it in certain circumstances. Now, uh, this is the sort of piece of art that could legitimately like cause someone like, a sort of discomfort and like if you get what I'm saying, like it's, it's kind of dangerous material that can hurt people. Right. Hmm. Like the, the misogynistic elements, the disregard, the, the, the way that you can go into this film, like you can go into a film like Fight Club and you can take away very harmful things if mm-hmm. y- if you you go into the film with those harmful things in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know? I wonder, like all of the people who defend Fight Club defend it on the grounds that it is satire which i know i know that it is satire Mm -hmm. and i i don't know i don't necessarily think that makes it better but i guess the people who understand that it's satire i tend to respect a little bit more than the people i've talked to who don't understand that it's satire and are i wonder are you suggesting aiden that we should view this movie as satire which arguably would make it better i'm so as with satire, as, as with a lot of art, it is caked in layers of ambiguity and this sort of opaqueness where you can't quite parse it. And that is just a blade that, that can do a lot of damage one way or the other because... Because it is not saying what it thinks overtly on its sleeve, it can be read as almost anything. It is a, like, ink blot test. You look into it and you see what the void has for you. You, you, you read into it what you see in yourself. And I think that most really good pieces of art have some level of that quality. That's what allows us to connect to them because we see bits of ourself and our experience in them. But 
especially with like certain topics and certain certain mindsets with with older films and older pieces of art that have a very uh cultural mindset that sees certain people as not having a as fully a valid thought or as fully a valid existence can we talk about that one actress that the mind reader was like let me read your mind and the producer was like don't bother there's nothing up there and she's like eating her ice cream yeah sorry i interrupted you go ahead yeah well no so and, and that's part of the the issue because you can either read that as a critique of men dismissing women as as just being thoughtless and never considering that they might have a thought to be able to be read or you might see it as being face value as being the word of the author as being a thought forced upon you against your will that you are now being forced to consider. And in some ways, that's like, I, I, I don't know, that that's a bit interesting. That's a bit interesting trying to puzzle that out and trying to, to figure it out. And I think you can go into this movie with a lot of different things and come out of this movie with a lot of different things. After after you brought up your thing last week about like there's one scene that stuck in my head. I I went through the the movie and I saw a number of scenes you could be referring to. I'm pretty sure you were talking about mm-hmm. the harem scene, but I'm honestly I mean not that's sure. the scene that made me uncomfortable the first time. And I, to be completely honest, I was short on time and I skipped the entire thing this time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I don't want to watch this movie again. So I, <laughs> I get that. Um, I'm sorry, you've been subjected to it twice. But I I, oh. I guess that's my my thought is like yeah, sometimes the art is can be provoking, and sometimes the, the amb- ambiguity of it is it's it's a positive and a negative thing and and whatever. But I also kind of want to say fuck it. Like I I think that there's again, maybe a difference between something like this and something like, I I don't know, the thing that came to my head was The Last Temptation of Christ, Mm. which is a movie that makes a lot of people mad, (laughs) like a lot Mm. of people. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, the ending is, well, essentially some, like, a demon kind of girl thing comes up to Jesus and is like, hey, guess what? God was like, now you're done. And so Jesus is like, oh, cool. And so he gets off the cross and then he like goes and he like gets married and like yeah. lives out a full life and then dies and then realizes, oh shit, wait, that was wrong. I wasn't supposed to do that because I can't remember anything. It, go, it goes in a bunch of weird directions. It makes a lot of people mad because it's specifically playing on something, but that's, yeah. but that's of- kind of the point. It's not doing yeah. it entirely ambiguously because it's, it, it it's this sort of idea of like i think it's pretentious cowardice essentially is my thought Oof. because you're able to be like oh but isn't this a fascinating idea that it it's doing something both ways it's it's making you think about and it's like ultimately kind of but it's also i don't really want to say something i just want to feel smart for for making you think something or or making you have to consider that and i think that that just annoys me yes that's that's my take on Fellini. It, 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 <laughs> there, 
<laughs> well, yeah. So I totally get that argument. But also, if you look at the other way, there are plenty of pieces of art that are definitely saying something. But I don't know how much value they actually have as pieces of art. If That's you know what I'm fair. saying? Yeah. Like, I, in some sense, I, I want to give movies that are well-made and not, not just well-made. Movies that are beautiful, that I find beautiful. Uh, an, an excuse in, in the same way as, uh, like, the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote from The Riadora. As eyes were made for seeing, so is beauty its own excuse for being. I there is what exactly is beauty and what exactly we find to be beautiful is something kind of indefinable mm -hmm. and there is no other way to ingest it or appreciate it or acknowledge it other than to acknowledge it as what it is and do with that something or nothing, whatever it inspires in you. So that's, that's a really interesting, and I'm like, I'm tearing up actually right now, thinking about beauty and thinking about how objective it is and how, if I were to cobble together clips of this film that didn't have any, even any, even any women in them, like they're just beautiful scenes this movie is beautiful. It is well shot and the music is really nice and it just, it's so smooth and creamy and lovely. And maybe that's also why it hurts is that I really want to be able to tell my friends, watch this movie. It's so beautiful. The black and white just flows super well, but I can't because it's hurtful. Like it mm -hmm. hurts me and it hurts other women. Um, and I guess that just kind of brings up to me how hard it is to define beauty and how our standards change and how as much as we'd like to say that we don't care about physical appearance I'm thinking about Cyrano de Bergerac again <laughs> um, and in the end Roxanne is like I don't care about your physical appearance this man has written these beautiful poems and these beautiful letters and he's bared his soul to me and I love him and I don't care what he looks like. But the only reason she, she took notice of him in the first place is because he was beautiful. And it's... Hmm. I don't know. Like, is We watch this movie because it's beautiful and people keep watching this movie because it's beautiful. But if you look past the beauty and find garbage, well, that doesn't feel good. And if it looks like garbage, but there's beauty inside, then what is beauty? Well, I think that's the thing is, is there are like, I, I, okay, I'm sorry. I don't mean to like, Step on the 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 pondering moment that 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 requires. Step on the it. pondering moment. Go um, on, say what you what you have to say. But I think that's this is maybe where a little bit more of a theolo theological concept kind of comes in is the idea of transcendentals. Right, they're like the four things. There's there's goodness, truth, beauty, and being, and mm -hmm. and something that that's kind of 
truly whole or, or truly any of those things kind of incorporates all of them. Mm. And, and, and so that's, that's, <laughs> that's why this movie gets the response that it does. I think out of us is that it, it's, it's got beauty, <laughs> but there's nothing, there's, there's nothing good. Like, and, and maybe there's some truth, but, but without the, without the good, does any of it matter? Hmm. Qu- quote unquote, no, <laughs> like, anything that I truly love that's beautiful. And I think probably most of us feel the same way. Um, and any movie we could, we could, we could think of, we could probably say has, has those aspects, right. At the, at the very least being is hard to define in terms of a, a piece of art maybe, but, but goodness, truth and beauty kind of linked. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Francis is a weird example. La- uh, Lady bird is a weird example, but, but Lady bird, I guess we'll go with, because mm. it's a movie that kind of hurts and and why does it hurt because it's true like a lot yeah. of us have experienced a lot of things that are in ladybird yeah. um and it's beautiful obviously the cinematography is gorgeous the performances everything about the structure of the movie it flows it it has a, a certain sense to it and that's that's beautiful and it and it also kind of saying something it's something that you you sit with and something that you feel like you you take something from that maybe informs the way that you live and and that's good and if if it was the same movie but like it went a completely different direction and was entirely pointless and disgusting i don't think any of the rest of the truth in ladybird or the beauty in ladybird would matter it wouldn't be something that we're still talking about yeah um and i think that's why this movie is frustrating is because it feels like it it does like it expressly tries to achieve what it's trying to achieve. It's trying to fully achieve beauty and truth and just entirely neg on anything good. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, it feels like it's doing that explicitly and trying or to force that to come through. it holds two good things and it's just like, we're going to cover these in things that are not good. So you feel guilt, like mm. not guilty, but you can't fully take anything good out of this film because there's too much not right and i and i i i understand a like a rejection of that as a principle of of talking about art in this way of of combining these different things right because i think a lot of a lot of culture and just a lot of the way that we work in general is like "I, i don't how can you somebody shouldn't you shouldn't try to define art and you shouldn't try to say what is and what isn't and what matters and what doesn't because a lot of things about the human experience are subjective and, and hard and complicated and, and whatever. And, and maybe something somebody thinks there's something good in this movie. I don't know. Um, but I also think that it's worth evaluating like there's to be fair, to be frank, there's a lot of beauty. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I think beauty is, is limited and defined. We only have this small little portion. Like there's, there's a lot of it. And somehow as humans, we're able to create things that are beautiful and that's amazing. And that, and that keeps happening, right? It, it, so far it continues to happen. And so do we need the one thing here that is beautiful? That is also disgusting. Like, do we, do we need that when there's so much else? Yeah. <laughs> like I think, and, and this is weird maybe because I don't like rejecting anything. Like I, I, I have this weird conservationist, whatever I want everything to be seen and, and heard and, and felt even when it's uncomfortable, whatever. But ultimately 
do we need do we need this one bit of beauty or can we afford to turn our backs on it because fuck it it's a misogynist mess and i feel like we can for me personally i feel like i can afford to turn my back on this movie like i can afford to turn my back on drive it's not taking anything (laughs) out of me i'm able to sleep better at night not thinking about this movie than thinking about it (laughs) and ultimately i can find things that i think are a lot more beautiful maybe the cinematography in francis ha isn't quite as smooth and perfect But fuck it. It's like changed my life in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And the only way that this movie does that for me is demoralize me and make me feel like garbage. Like Mm -hmm. that's what that movie does. Mm -hmm. So do we need it? Anyway, it's it's the line from her. And while I'm here, I want to allow myself joy. So fuck it. That's my bit. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm going to cry again. (laughs) I, for one, think that I, I, I definitely think the personal like relationship everyone has to films is honestly the most important part of the film for the individual person. Hmm. And as a culture, uh, fuck it, who cares what it means to culture at large? It culture is just a bunch of people anyway. I I think that there were, I got I got something out of this movie paired with. That quote that that Anna wound up sending over the group text, which I can read it. It's a haunting quote. Yeah, I. It's it paired with this movie in a very surprising way that I was not expecting. Can I read it? Yeah, please. So this is from Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood, the robber bride. Male fantasies. Male fantasies is everything run by male fantasies. Up on a pedestal or down on your knees, it's all male fantasy. That you're strong enough to take what they dish out, or else too weak to do anything about it. Even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies is a male fantasy. Pretending you're unseen, pretending you have a life of your own, that you can wash your feet and comb your hair, unconscious of the ever-present watcher peering through the keyhole, peering through the keyhole in your own head, if nowhere else. You are a woman with a man inside, watching a woman... Like, you are your own. That's me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I definitely. And Aiden, you're about to say something too, but I definitely have a man inside of me that's watching me. Mm. Yeah, there's there's an aspect to that that whole sentiment about how we conceive ourselves and how we think about ourselves and how the performance of ourselves is so fundamentally informed by who we think our audience is. Mm. And uh, this is a movie about a man watching women and a movie about a, a man thinking about and trying to recreate women, a, a film about a man who uh, sort of creates a woman. There's the woman in white, the beautiful woman that... Symbol of purity. Th- as he describes at the end, he sees her and he knows 
that she will save him, but he rejects her. And ultimately, though the movie is about women, finger quotes there, (laughs) it is about how a man is informed by women or how he sees himself through women. Mm. It's, he doesn't see them. Ultimately, that's the point. He doesn't see them. That's why all of his relationships with women fail. He doesn't see them. He just sees a mirror of all of the things he wants, all of the things he needs, all of the things he doesn't have and desperately desires. And honestly, that's... It's, it's, it's really garbage because... In this situation, in this scenario, <laughs> essentially the women aren't there, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have two things. First of all, Cleo from 5 to 7, gorgeous movie, smooth mm. black and white. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, you mentioned Aiden at one point, how we act based on who's watching us. And mm. I mean, you watch Cleo change her behavior based on who's watching her so Mm. shout out to that movie for being amazing yeah my other thought is thinking about the effects of the porn industry honestly on our relationships and the way that we view people as items or as commodities or something that you can use and abuse and turn your back on the next day um and it makes me think of a song from octet by Dave Malloy. It's called Solo. And if you want to put it in the description or if you guys just want to listen to it on your own time, it is about that. And it's about two characters who can't find connection. The whole the whole musical is about phone addiction in various forms and how phones have kind of taken away our beauty our ability to really connect with people. And this song is specifically about sexual connection. Um and just thinking about how once you start objectifying women or men, once you've started objectifying people, that almost, that makes it harder. I'm not going to say impossible, but it makes it harder to have a real connection with them in real life. And that's one of the things the song kind of teases out is the fact that because it's become so easy to access any fantasy that you could possibly want, it makes it unsafe to connect with a real person, if that makes sense. Mm. This thought only half connects. Just, I guess, thinking again about the reach of... I don't know. Thinking again about male fantasies and... I guess just like, I don't feel safe sometimes. Like, I'm I'm somebody that I feel safe most of the time. But I do, especially when I think about relationships. You know, I'm single now. But if I were to find somebody and just knowing that this film is true in many ways... I'm just like, dang, that sucks. Mm. And it sucks that 
this is the world that we live in where it's okay to do that and to think that. And I mean, like, Guido gets kind of teased for his affair and, like, ribbed by his friend. But nobody really thinks that it's wrong. That was a till tangle of thoughts that didn't really have an end. Well, but Hunter gave me a thumbs up, so I Well, yeah. Better. Well, so... So... We talk about... A lot of people talk about wanting sex or wanting a relationship. But... If you have those concepts outside of an actual connection with a person, if you see those concepts or those ideas as separate from an individual, you aren't going to be able to satisfy your desire for that thing because it is not driven by, you know, the the person that you're having the relationship with or the sexual relationship with. I mean, that's exactly what Louisa, mm -hmm. when she comes to the hotel room and Guido's like looking at her and they're kind of like talking and she's like, what do you want from me? Like, why am I here? And he doesn't answer and they go to bed. And I wrote in my notes, he's already finding sexual satisfaction in lots of other people, in his own imagination, in I can't remember the gal's name. I don't even think we even really know her name. Miss mm. Oliver, I think. Um, and so it is, like, in his fantasy, she's the one that cooks and cleans in his harem. But it is, like you were saying, like, if you're getting all of these satisfactions away from an actual person, what's the point of having a person? Yeah, well, and if you go into a a romantic or sexual relationship wanting romance or sex, you aren't going to be able to fulfill that abstract concept. But if you go into a relationship with a person, you might be able to actually have a relationship with the person. You might be able mm. to connect with the person. But there's there's an aspect... So there's this, this special directed by Jonathan Demme called... Uh, it's one-man man show called... Uh, Swimming to Cambodia by Spalding Gray. And there's just a line in it because it's about the filming of the movie uh, The Killing Fields. Mm -hmm. And he's like, the, the camera eroticizes the space that it aims at. And a lot of, uh, in introspection, a lot of what I think of of the world around me is very much impacted by the thoughts and the assumptions that are within the media I have consumed, the mm -hmm. cinema I have consumed. And I have, like, we think of the term eroticized or erotic in, in sexual terms, but in a general romantic conception of it, thinking of it as it is to make, a, like, an idol of a, like, it is a perfect concept of this thing that exists outside us that we we see and we assume and we we desire that thing we desire the romance that is in the movies we desire the the partners uh, romantic or otherwise that are in the movies we we desire a job we desire uh, a fulfilling friendship like we see in the movies or in the media that we consume. 
And because that is drawn from like this, this almost fundamentally eroticized medium, this medium that produces and sells fancy shiny gold toys that, that we're meant to enjoy and look at and find pleasure from consuming. It's, it's, fundamentally unobtainable and it it just can lead us into misery it's led me into misery a wee bit not gonna lie you know it how are we actually supposed to deal with that deal with that that's that that desire that we 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 have had created for us that can never be fulfilled Oof. Uh, <laughs> could, I, could I drop a little oof there? Um, I mean, I want to bring up the concept of like Zainzut, right? Because I feel like that has application, but it's also a very like, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a concept that C.S. Lewis sort of writes about mm-hmm. a lot. Like mm-hmm. I think it has its place in Narnia and a lot of other places of just this like, there. that's like an aspect of humanity as he sees it. Like just here it, it, it is is the inconsolable longing. Like there's, there's just that. Is that sign suit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just that, that which we cannot really reach and attain. That's just the constant like emptiness of life that we all share. It's a, it's a, it's mm. a feeling that we all have that we rarely put name to. Um, the melancholy. The melancholy. But like the kind of melancholy that's like after you've swallowed the last bit of dark chocolate that's been melting in your mouth. It's more like and you just yeah. It's having that feeling that that sensation of dark chocolate there and being like, but there's not there's not more. Like there's it's there and it it in that flavor that taste makes me want more of it, but in a way that actually eating more dark chocolate doesn't actually do anything about. Right. Like it's just it's that it's that feeling of oh you see a really beautiful sunset in a landscape and you want to be that you want more like you want to be part of it somehow like you you want some sort of participation in that and what is there like then the sunset ends and you've seen the pretty thing and me look at back at the picture and it makes you sad it doesn't make you like super like happy and it doesn't feel fulfilling you look at it and you're sad you're like there's there's something more there's there, what is that mm-hmm. um and that's that's I kind the of love that feeling it's a yeah it's like a it's a it's a bittersweet thing it's not yeah. it's not entirely negative that's why we like to an extent it's why we like beauty but but that's it's it's that there's there's it kind of creates a little bit more we were forced to recognize that there's there's a desire for something more yeah. essentially i don't i don't know if that felt like it had like full application but it yeah. felt like that Every, that everything we, we have <laughs> are and will be is ephemeral and <laughs> dies as soon as it is born (laughs) that's why the movie her does a lot for me is because it's just it's just beautiful and and true and everything and all the way through and i look at it and everything about it intensifies signs (laughs) just intensifies it by a million i mean i also wonder i mean thinking about c.s lewis and faith is something that is really important to me and I think is a foundation of who I am and that that's that's just me uh but I feel like in some ways that is the space that 
not the space that I keep God in, right? But that is the space that he fills in me. Um, is that melancholy longing, seeing that the world is finite and I will never experience that sunset again. And I'll never be able to smell that one specific smell again as much as I loved it and as much as I can plant that same flower everywhere. I'll never have that again. And in some ways, to me, God inhabits that space of loss. Um, And I guess this is where existentialism comes in. And I've been thinking a lot about the line between agnosticism and faith in a God, a specific God. Um, And for me, that's kind of where the line gets close is... I lost my line. (laughs) (laughs) I guess just that's where God... I feel close to God in that melancholy, I guess. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's where Lewis comes at it from is is the idea of yeah, that's it's it's part of the like, you know, the not yet, I guess, mm-hmm, portion mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, of our mm-hmm. our existence, right? Um and I think maybe that's 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 part of the line in ag- agnosticism and and uh and faith to to an extent is is maybe partly the the interpretation of that sign suit right like whether or not it's the this is this is sort of this inhab this is this is god is 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 in this place or the fact that i feel this means that god does not satisfy is not a satisfying answer or that there is further questioning maybe i don't know i don't i don't know if any everybody would would agree with that but i feel like yeah I feel like that interpretation of that, that inconsolable longing um, matters to that. Interesting how we get there from eight and a half, <laughs> but, but fascinating. I feel like this is kind of appropriate though, in the, the way that like we were kind of dismissing the movie in a way. And they were just like, let's talk about other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cooler things. Or maybe like, this you know, movie is that gap. Guido it's so refuses beautiful, but it's to so like, bad have any kind of actual idea or thought he refuses to answer any question throughout the movie and he remains just permanently a void um to an extent and and the only things that we see in that void are are in kind of being his head and seeing things that are shitty but when people try to get him to answer a question when anybody's trying to get anything out of him he is he's a void and so how do we respond to that other than by talking about things that actually matter? If anything, <laughs> it's just a return to innocence. Like the last thing you see on screen is his child self uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the parade after everyone else has left. And he's leading like a parade of clowns, like a line mm-hmm. of like clowns. And it's just a spotlight. And then you have that ring against the monolith of the the big set piece of the film that was never made mm-hmm. built on sand that is being torn Symbolism. down and it's it's just he, he is innocent now i guess he is maybe I, he's just given up and said fuck it i don't care anymore i guess the the recognition that he's full of shit is is better than remaining silent for fear of saying that or communicating that, I guess, mm. you know, because the entire time you look at his face and he looks sort of like forlorn and lost. And, and instead of me feeling sympathy throughout the movie, I'm saying 
no like you actually have things to do you have people mm-hmm. expecting things and and the things that you're doing also have an effect on other people mm-hmm. and and so no i i don't feel sympathy for the fact that you feel all alone and lost because there's no way that you can convince people that there's something going on your in your head that is that you know isn't going on there so i don't know <laughs> maybe maybe the like i'm going back to being a child now is i don't know and part of me, I feel a little vindictive. And part of me is like, good. I hope that's slightly demoralizing for you. <laughs> like, uh, Go back I to Catholic school suffer. and kneel on some gravel. Right. Uh, lots of thoughts. Yeah. What a film, you know, in a, in, in a way. I don't, I don't want to watch it again. And, and part of me is frustrated. I mean, I, I obviously I've been expressing frustration to this entire experience. <laughs> but thinking about the fact that this is something that I've seen so celebrated and talked about without knowing anything about it, but, but heard it talked about a, a lot feels like to an extent, is it really just that we will sort of celebrate anything as long as it like fulfills a f- few specific criteria? Like if it's garbage, but it, it does something interesting, are we going to celebrate it? Is that what Drive is? Or again, is it that people are somehow seeing something different? I, I wonder not, if people okay. find something in Drive that I did not find in that movie. But the fact that it, the action is done well and that it's Ryan Gosling doesn't change. The people I've heard is. who, who I, I've heard who like Drive uh, all go in with the Fight Club thing where hmm. they're like, it's trying to draw attention to how terrible toxic masculinity is by turning up to 11 and letting you uh, bask in its disgustingness. Fuck you. How can you uh, abide with this? Uh, but also, if you, you can completely read it as earnest and honest in its uh, seemingly forthright thought. And I've seen so many people celebrate it in that lens. I've seen, I've seen people celebrate that on any end of, mm. of of ideological spectrum, of gender spectrum, anything. Like I've I've seen everybody celebrate it for for the entire for the opposite of just isn't it cool? It's fucking cool, and that's it too. So it's like, but also I think knowing anything about Nicholas Winning Ref and you you just kind of naturally want to be a little bit more like, I don't know, suspicious of that. Maybe that's just me personally, mm. but I don't know. Like, is is there an extent to which everybody's just these these kinds of directors are are pulling a Woody Allen of like oh look at how <laughs> how how interesting how deep how fascinating I am in my shittiness in my in my just being a piece of shit but it but you have you I'm can't so look away it's so it's so artistic look at the way that I spread shit on the wall is so much more fascinating <laughs> than the way anybody else does it so you can't look away I can hit the bullseye when I throw the poop exactly. <laughs> 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 oh well done. Still just poop on the wall, bro. Exactly. At the end of the day, that's what it is. And and that actually brings me to why um this uh when I was watching this movie I couldn't stop once again thinking about Orson Welles. I don't I don't know. Maybe there's something relevant that we, we do whenever we mention Orson Welles or ah, something. French. <laughs> <laughs> but this this is a guy that actually talked about a lot of similar, like I, people talk about an eight and a half. Like it's, this is the, the, the best movie ever made about making a movie. And I think now we can probably say that there, there are maybe two movies that, that deal with a similar kind of, at least the challenge of, of directing that, that, that 
probably compete with and top that. And I would fe- say one of them is Synecdoche, New York. I feel like Synecdoche, New York does so much that eight and a half does, but in a way that is interesting and says something and, and feels a, a value. Absurdism, it, baby. It's so good. Better than that. Good realism. thing. <laughs> yeah. And then the other side of the wind, like mm-hmm. the other, the other side of the wind is a movie that's very hard to explain because it feels like it's a documentary because it's presented as a documentary and it's in all these different spaces. It's, it's late careers and well, so it's just all over the place and super cool and the kind of thing that nobody else does. But, but in a, in a weird way, that means it's, it's flitting around this director who doesn't have a clue of what his next movie is going to be. And he's very celebrated, but he doesn't really know what's, what's happening or, or he, I guess in the, the differences in, in the other side of the wind, he has a little bit more of a sense, but it doesn't make any sense and he can't quite explain it, but that's also what Orson Welles was doing. And so he's also got this weird autobiographical lens to him trying to talk about making movies and, and failing and arguably kind of becoming, becoming a wash up. And he kind of, he deals with all of those things and even the weird, maybe like misogyny and, of, of Hollywood and, and all of this garbage, right? Cause there's a, there's a bit where um, the, the, the director guy says, God must be a woman because I can't, I can't remember what it is, but then something very misogynist about women and, and the world sucks and therefore God must be a woman. And it, it deals because with all those things. Can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it just, it, it, I feel like it covers all those things, but, but does so in a way that, matters and and then also there's the magnificent ambersons which has an extremely 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 unlikable main character who you just don't root for or care about and you kind of feel like good on good good fuck him when bad things happen and whatever but in a way that still feels like it's the movie's saying something and that you can care about anyway so what i'm saying is i don't need eight and a half because i have (laughs) horse fantastic Yeah. Thank you, Dot, for putting a period at the end of our conversation. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Hunter, <laughs> do you have a quote for us? I do. Yeah. Thanks, IMDb. Oh. Boop, 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 do we want to do an ending spiel before you? might want to do an ending spiel first. Thank you for listening to the podcast that ends at the time that we end it because we got to do other shit. Yeah. So if you want to follow us That other shit in this case is being depressed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We got I'm going okay. to poetry it's club. It's we had, <laughs> we had good times in the middle. We did. Yes. Uh, we so got movieoverloadpod.com. That's yeah. got most of our stuff. Our Patreon, patreon.com slash movieoverload, I assume. And actually here to thank our, our, our boy. We can just give a round of applause Yay! for, for our, Thanks. our boy, our permanent friend, our, our Silas. <laughs> Thanks. If you would like to buy our friendship, Please, please do so. Consider. Can be you can be a friend of the pod as labeled on Patreon. You can hear us be be massively confused over movies a lot. A Most lot of more. The time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yep. that's the thing. Thanks, and we tend to say things at the end of our podcast that, that Hunter finds things to say. A crisis of inspiration. What if it's not just temporary, my dear friend? What if it's the final downfall of a big fat no talent imposter? Fellini himself. Maybe it was. Wow. Bye. Also, wait, my other, my oh, other, no, my alternate quote is scoop. 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 And then the, the, the suspender weird, like, slap. Yeah, the weird, like, yeah. onomatopoeia that they kept yeah. using was, uh, was funny. Mm-hmm.
Okay, now I'm done. Bye. Cool. See ya. Thanks for watching. Fun at your country club? Is that where you're going? <laughs> you said country what? club. <laughs> country club? I, I saw Aiden check his text, so I figured you must have said something, yeah. but that's all I knew, and I couldn't see. No, you during the ending, when I said we're all going to be depressed, and I heard something from you, I, and all, poetry club. Poetry. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm like, really? Wow. Think I'm going to spend time at a country club? Aiden? <laughs> I, you strike me as pretty bougie, but I, I'm, I, I am a bit skeptical about that. Thank Anna you, I guess, bougie, but also <laughs> sophisticated no. and refined. Uh, a thinker of the philosophical and a speaker of the ling- linguistical. Writer of barrels. Why would I spend the time at a country club? God. <laughs> I mean, you know what Hannah Gatsby says about golfers, which I will never repeat in polite company, but I can... Oh, wait, I want to hear it, please. Yep. I'm not going to You've say seen it. it? I don't remember, though. <sighs> uh, uh, she... What she she's Australian. Golf. You you know what she said about golf. Did she say she cunt? Says. She said that yeah. about golf. Yeah, of course. Nice. Did she say, I'm not here to fuck spiders? That's something they say. <laughs> no. It's my favorite fact about Australia, Sorry. is that means I'm not messing around. <laughs> You're not here to fuck spiders. I'm not here, I'm not here to fuck spiders, mate.